How are we doing? Doing okay? So I'm going to say a couple, couple of phrases. Follow your heart. You do you. Just do it. It's all about me. Right? Those um, ubiquitous sayings. Is that me? Is somebody still on? Matt, you want to preach? Okay. All right. Um, yeah, that idea of like be true to yourself, right? That's, that's everywhere right now. And it could be considered the motto of the second enemy of the soul. We're in this teaching series about these three enemies of the soul. We're calling Live No Lies based on the book by John Mark Comer. And we talked about the devil as the first enemy of the soul and about how he works through lies. But he's not the only one who lies to us. The world lies to us. And that's what we're going to get to last. But today we're going to talk about the enemy within and how the flesh lies to us. How the flesh lies to us. Um, they, they conspire against us, these three enemies. And this is the, the phrase that Comer came up with in his book. Deceptive ideas play to disordered desires which are normalized in a sinful society. Deceptive ideas come from the devil. Disordered desires are flesh, right? God places these, these needs in us. And then there's something that happens, we're going to uncover today, that twists those. And they, they become out of line with what God intended. And then the world normalizes them. It's a, it's a brutal, brutal triumvirate of, of foes that work, against our, that work against our soul. I want to remind us of a couple of things, especially given our modern sensibilities and our current cultural moment. Even just hearing that, right? Like, be true to yourself may not be a good thing. That feels like cringy. It's like, where's Tom going? Like, you can't, you can't say that. So I want you to give yourself permission to be a little cringed this morning, okay? And we're going we're gonna to step into this and discover why that's not um, this philosophy of following your heart, being true to yourself, being led by what the Bible calls our flesh is not a great idea. Recognizing that it's an awkward conversation, uncomfortable. The other thing is <clears throat> I'm going to talk a lot about the truth. We have been talking a lot about the truth and I want to remind us that the truth is it's not yours and it's not mine and the truth does not belong to the Republicans or the Democrats the truth does not belong to the conservatives or the liberals the truth certainly does not belong to your cable news network of choice right are you tracking with me the truth is a person the truth is Jesus and we find access to his truth through his word and the process we go about discerning and discovering truth was designed, that was designed to happen in community. Truth is designed to be discovered in community through the pages of Scripture under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's a mouthful. But what that means is no one like me sits up here and is a complete oracle of truth. Right? I, my, my heart is flawed, just like anybody else's. So it is incumbent upon you to do your own research, to ask questions, to ask lots of questions, 
Tom, that doesn't sound right. Is that real? Or well, I was reading the Bible, and this is what... That's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we discover God's truth, not our truth or whoever else's truth happens to be getting the most coverage that day. Make sense? All right. There endeth the reminders. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point us to a piece of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this calls out all three of the enemies, and it gives kind of a, a special insight into the, the enemy within the flesh that we're talking about today. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, right? There's the third one. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air. It's a wordy way to say the devil. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, right? So we're going to unpack that statement, our flesh following its desires and thoughts. We're going to look at what it's not. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say about it. We're going to look at what the author, John Mark Comer, has to say about it. And another one of my favorite authors, a guy named Jim Wilder, and see what he has to say about this concept of the flesh. The first thing, what the flesh is not, is not referring to our physical bodies. There are some that have argued throughout the course of time that all matter, anything physical, is bad, and the spirit is good. That's not where we're going with this. God created humanity... And after every, he said everything is good, everything is good, everything is good. He created humanity. It was very good, right? So the physical creation is a good thing. Jesus came and walked among us in a physical body. And we could argue that that was the bad part of what Jesus had to go through. The physical is bad. But after Jesus was murdered and rose again, he had a physical body. And we will have physical resurrection bodies when everything is said and done. So when we talk about the flesh, we are not referring to our physical bodies. The biblical definition, earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore prone to sin and opposed to God, self-sufficient, self-exalting independence from God. Um, some of your translations, depending upon what year, right? Like if you read NSB 1995 versus 2020 or the old NIVs, um, the translators went back and forth between using the word flesh and using the word sinful nature. So you might see that in some of the passages that talk, that talk about the flesh, just our sinful nature. This is what uh, John Mark had to say about it. The flesh is our base, primal, animalistic drives for self-gratification, especially pertaining to sensuality as in sex and food, but also to pleasure in general as well as our instincts for survival, domination, and the need for control. And another quote from him, the sinful appetite in all of us that feels natural to our bodies, yet is wrong. That's a key piece of this. Feels natural, yet is wrong. And then to finish up, this is a little bit of a longer quote from, from Jim Wilder. Adam and Eve ushered us into a battle that was never meant for us. We were meant to be oblivious to good and evil, having God direct our paths. Now we all have this human condition which Christians are used to thinking of as our flesh. Christians are used to thinking that the flesh, the original language used in the, in the Bible as sark, makes us do bad things. Actually, the sark's most harmful effect is that it makes us think we are doing something right and good when we are actually doing or thinking the wrong thing. More lies. The devil hits us with lies and our flesh hits us with lies. Things happen each time 
This happens each time we figure things out on our own instead of following God's direction. So if we put all that stuff together, it could sound something like this. Our inclination to make bad decisions and do hurtful things apart from God and his direction, all the while thinking we are doing good or the right thing. It's, it's deceptive, it's tricky, it works against us, it feels right, and yet it's still not. Man. So what, <clears throat> what does that look like? We're going to look at a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote. This is in the book of Romans. This is the Apostle Paul, the person God chose to write more than half of the New Testament. We'd think he's a pretty Jesus-y guy, right? He's got, it, got his act together. He's doing the right thing. This is what Paul says about his sin nature and therefore about ours. This is chapter 7, starting in verse 15. I do not utter, understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is a force that was at work within Paul. There's a force that is at work within us that runs contrary to God. The flesh promotes hate. God promotes love. The flesh promotes chaos. God urges us towards peace. The flesh promotes despair. God is all about hope. The flesh leads to death, and God is all about life. God is all about life. And this is a force that is at work within us. And if you guys have been with us tracking through this series, it should sound familiar, because those are the things that I shared, that when we find the devil's lies at work within us, those are the thoughts that keeps stirring up. We, we feel chaotic. We feel despair. We feel hate. We feel anger. The devil works out his stuff with our flesh, with the force that is at work within us. So when the Bible was written, there were no little chapter and verse numbers. right? And I would encourage you, if you ever go read this passage from Romans on your own, please don't stop where I stopped. Okay, Read the next two verses. Read chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Oops. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we have... Paul recognizes the ugliness of his own sinful nature on the one hand. And at the same time, he recognizes the freedom 
that comes in and through Jesus. And he holds those two things in tension, knowing that he has to fight this battle. Jesus, like we've been talking about, Jesus won the war, right? And we have to fight the battles. I used the phrase last week, God's sovereignty, our agency. Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, opens the door, right? If we think about our flesh or our sin nature as a jail cell, Jesus unlocks a jail cell and he opens the door. We have to step out of that cell. And here's the, here's the tricky thing, right? The door doesn't close behind us. It stays open. So we can fall back into it. We can get pushed back into it. We can turn around and run back into it. But we have to work with God through his Holy Spirit against the enemies of the soul. So I want to give, I want to share a couple of examples of what this, when I lived in Arkansas, there's what you might could look like. It's not good English, but what this might could look like. All right. <clears throat> the first one, we think about sex. I'm going to share with you a truth or a summary of like a, a biblical concept and then talk about this pattern, right? The deceptive ideas, the disordered desires, and the way the world kind of normalizes that stuff. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about power control. We're going to talk about comfort. So God created sex as way more than a utilitarian means of continuing the species, right? It's beautiful and it's pleasurable and to preserve its goodness, he set some boundaries around it, right? So that's the, that's the biblical idea of really high level of sex. The lie from Satan could go something like this. God is a prude. He's holding out on you. There is so much more sex for you to have out there, mind-blowing sex that you need to go pursue, the lie is that sex feels good. I, or sorry, not the lie. That is the lie. The disordered desire is sex feels good, yes. So I should be able to have sex with whoever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And the way the world normalizes that, I, I, don't, I didn't go count, but there's probably double-digit apps that you can go it will facilitate the process of you finding somebody to hook up with. Not a relationship, not a dating app, but meaningless sex. Or you could just go subscribe to your favorite kind of porn and have it delivered right to your device. Right? That's the way the world normalizes that mess. You see how powerful those three enemies are when they, when they work together. We think about the idea of power and control. The, in the Bible, the biblical concept of power is to be exercised for and on behalf of those who don't have it, or laid down completely. We look at the life of Jesus. He used his power, whether it was the power that he had of his little organization, his band of people, or his supernatural power, or any other kind of power that Jesus had, it was exercised on behalf of the oppressed, the hurting, the broken, the marginalized, those society wanted to forget. That's who Jesus used his power for. And then, and like the moment of truth, when you would think he would flex and like show off, he laid his power down and he allowed himself to be killed on a Roman cross. That's biblical power, right? So the lie from Satan could be something like God doesn't provide. The deceptive desire is our, our wants become needs, and then we look around at the world around us and some of the most famous, popular, powerful leaders, pastors, CEOs, politicians 
are narcissists. And their behavior gets, as long as they get results, their behavior gets rewarded. So we look and we're like, all right, I see how it's done. I can do that. This is brutal, you guys. This is brutal. The last one, comfort. Uh, I'm going to read you a verse. This is just straight up um, such a great, this is comfort in biblical terms. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive ourselves from God. That's the biblical concept of comfort. God comforts us, then we in turn comfort each other. When we think about this pattern, the deceptive idea around comfort, it could be just God doesn't care. Right? I'm in this terrible situation. I got hurt, and it still feels terrible. Whatever, whatever it might be, God doesn't care. Right? So the, um, the disordered desire might be, I, w- I want to feel better. This is, this is not fun. This hurts. So we take that desire to feel better, and it's like a couple of glasses of wine at night, a joint, a couple of trips to sunny days, mindless scrolling, whatever your choice of checking out is. Right? And the world normalizes that. Sunday fun day. Right? That's what we're going to do. We're just going to go have a little boozy brunch, get a little me time. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Right? Marijuana has been legalized just about everywhere. The world normalizes this stuff. There are, I don't know how many people there are in the world right now, 7 billion? There's probably 7 billion different combinations of items that exist that we could walk through with this, right? We think about leadership, relationships, gender roles and ideology, um, marriage, children. We could run we could run through this, this pattern and see how it works itself out. I, you know, I would encourage you, in the digital version of the sermon notes, I put a link. The author of this book did a podcast series of 10 episodes where he brings in Christian thought leaders, and they dive really deep into these, into these episodes. It, the podcast is called Live No Lies, and the author interviews these experts. Super, super, like one of the, one of the best, you know, um, discussions I've ever heard around uh, gender and sexuality in our current cultural climate uh, is part of this podcast. So I would encourage you to go, to go check, that, check that part out. But like I said, th- lots of different ways we could, we could run through that. So what, um, what's the, I've been giving you one thing each week to try to help fight against these battles. And there's another verse in Galatians that talks about the flesh. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The flesh has an insatiable appetite. It's all about me, me, me. The flesh is a, a screechy, demanding voice that wants to be answered. Right? And, it, and it drives us crazy until we do. We can turn down the volume on that voice simply by pursuing intentional acts of service, right? It doesn't have to be something big and grandiose, but intentionally serving people. Regardless of the cost to us going out of our way to help others, 
like I said, it doesn't have to be grandiose. I was at a, a graduation last week, and the graduation ceremony ended, and we were sitting up in the, in the top row, and uh, everybody started going down on the field because they wanted to, you know, go talk to their graduates and give them hugs and high fives and stuff. And so we started making our way down, and I, I kind of felt like a jostling behind me. And I turned and I looked, and there was a, uh, an older woman who was struggling to navigate the, the bleacher stairs. And I stopped for a second, and I'm like, okay. So I step aside, and I give her my hand, and I like help her down the bleachers. And then she kind of makes her way out, and the rest of her very large family, like I don't know how, there were a lot of them, <laughs> and they proceeded past us, right? So, like I said, not a big deal. I wanted to go see my friend who just graduated, my friends who just graduated. Just step aside, help the lady down. She clearly appreciated the gesture. Her family appreciated the gesture, looking out for their, their elderly mom, grandmother, whatever. When we intentionally pursue acts of service, it's like we take that volume knob on the screechy voice of the flesh and we turn it down and it gets lower and lower. And this is not about, um, you know, pay it forward positivity or karma army kind of stuff. This is about becoming the kind of people who naturally answer the call of love to serve. And when, when we do that, when we respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, right? Truth, the Spirit is the one who points us to truth. We replace the lies of Satan with the truths of God and his word. And the call of love to serve starts to become louder and louder and louder than that screechy voice of the flesh. Humble acts of intentional service can help us turn that down. So um, this, the flesh is a and I'll just be really out for like as I look at my life across the three of these this is the hardest one right I can I can not me personally but through Jesus I can wrestle with Satan with the devil and the world I can I, I feel like I have a little bit of a, a perspective I'm like okay this is some wacky stuff going on I need to double check what I'm doing but man my flesh is stubborn and it's stupid <laughs> and uh, so we have some more work to do Right? In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the difference between freedom and doing whatever I want, however I want, and the freedom that operates under the constraints of love. The freedom that we sang in that song, right, is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And we're going to talk about the flesh versus the spirit and what that, what that looks like. And then we're going to wrap everything all up in a package like we did with the devil of the weapons that we have at our disposal to fight this enemy within and in between there, we're going to have a message reflection, and there's going to be a service where um, we have some of our ministry partners, people that we support, they're going to come in and share, share what they're doing. So that's kind of the next month or so of what we got coming up at Crossroads. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, just thank you for, uh, we continue to thank you for winning the war. Um, God, as we worked on identifying the lies of the enemy. Um, help us to identify the lies of our own flesh, of the enemy within. Open our eyes to um, the ways that we're led astray, the ways that our good and natural desires have become twisted. And Spirit, would you strengthen us to, um, to fight that battle with the flesh?
open our eyes to those intentional acts of service that we can pursue and that we look forward to the, the lowering of the volume of the flesh and the raising of the volume of, of your voice in our minds and our hearts as we, um, as we pursue you. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.